0: What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards.
1: Hey, Hoopheads! we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Motor City Hoops, Lazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and Thunderous Applause. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast. Players' Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code hoopheads to get twenty percent off the future of performance. That's a r y s e dot com with promo code hoopheads to get twenty percent off.
0: Things are starting to fall apart for the Washington Wizards. Um, they just lost to the Hawks, one sixteen to one hundred, and yeah, that game was <laughs> that game was really ugly. I don't know what else to say. Um, I'll talk about this game for a while as I always do. But um yeah, so coming into this game, the Hawks were nine and nine. They were eighth in point differential actually, which is pretty good. Like they were pretty far like they're below their um, expected win total by, you know, a lot uh coming into this one. So the nine and nine was kinda um not really indicative of where they are right now as a team. But their offense, um coming into the game, they're ninth in offense at an offensive rating of one thirteen point four. And in terms of defense they were tenth at 109.6. So, just going over like the four factors, the overview of this game. Um, the Hawks actually like the Wizards didn't do a terrible job defensively, um, which isn't what the eye test would sort have of told you. But um, their offensive rating was 110, and then the Wizards' offensive rating was 99, uh, which is 16th percentile. Which again, you're not going to win many games <laughs> just um, that playing that poorly offensively. Um, in terms of effective field goal percentage, the Hawks were at 50.6, and the Wizards were at 40.6. A 40% effective field goal percentage is good for the third percentile, um, and again, you're not going to win many games that way. Turnover percentage, both teams were equal at 13%. Um, offense rebound percentage, the Hawks were only at 26%, uh, which is pretty surprising. It's like just from the eye test, it looked like a lot more. The Wizards were at 28.6%. Um, and then free throw late, both teams got to the line a ton. The Wizards were at 36.5%, which is 97th percentile. The Hawks were at 30.2%, which is 91st percentile. Um, in terms of shooting frequency, the Hawks shot a ton of threes, and like they didn't make a ton of them. But if you shoot a lot of threes, and you know threes are worth more than twos, that's going to happen. Um, just going through the box score, um, Trey Young had 41 points. He was plus 12 in. 34 minutes. Um he was 10 for 18. Like to score 41 points and only shoot the ball eighteen times from the field, that's pretty incredible. Um he was five for nine from three, which is great. Sixteen for seventeen at the line, which is pretty insane. Uh to get there seventeen times in a game. Um Clint Capella was uh thirteen points, fourteen rebounds. Um it's a good game for him. John Collins was seventeen points, eight rebounds. And that was pretty much all their offense. Like, Gallinari had 11 points in 18 minutes. Um, He, you know, he's pretty visibly out of shape. Um, And that's about, like, all they had, I guess. Like, Cam Reddish barely did anything. Um, Big O on Nekka Kongu got some minutes. He barely did anything. Uh, DeAndre Hunter Hunter got hurt. Uh, He's been having a great season, and Kevin Herter wasn't very good. Um, just like looking at the wizard side, uh, Russell Westbrook had 26 points minus nine in 27 minutes. That was his best game of the season, but he got ejected like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, eight for 18, seven for eight from the line, which is super, super encouraging. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Bradley Beal ended up with 26 points on 26 shots, six for seven free throws, not a very efficient night for him. He ended up going 0-8 from three, minus 17 on the night, probably one of his worst games of the season, but I'll talk about why that was. Um Robin Lopez got ejected also in the fourth quarter again of the night with six points. Rui didn't look very good. Uh he only had nine and Garrison Matthews at ten. Um yeah, so I want to pull up the NBA shot chart of this game. Um, but that was um probably the uh, I guess I'll talk about the, the negatives after I pull up the shot chart real quick. Game charts. Shot zone. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. So I usually have it pulled up early. The Hawks in the restricted area shot 12 of 15, which is ridiculous. That's 80%. Um, from floater range, they're 11 to 25. Uh, a lot of those are Trey Young. Like, he's probably the best floater in the league by far. Um, four for 10 for mid-range. Uh, that's a pretty low amount of mid-range jump shots um, because, again, the Hawks pretty much got every, anything they wanted. Um, they shot 32 above the break threes and made 10, um, which is good for 31%, which is below league average by, like, about 4%. Um, but again, if you're shooting that many, uh, and you make 10, that's 30 points right there. Like that's a p- pretty good amount. Um, they were two for four, uh, from the left corner over one from the right corner. Um, actually, well, if you shoot 10 for 32 at 31%, that's what? 0.93 points per possession. So that's not the end of the world for them to be shooting that much. Um, in terms of the wizards, their shot chart, that's a ton of red. <laughs> that's literally all red except for the restricted area. They only got there 10 times. Um, but they were 10 for 10. They made all the shots in the restricted area, which is great. You just got to get there way more often. Um, 12 for 33 uh, in floater range. And again, to shoot 33 shots from floater range, that's way too many. That's So league average from floater range is 42%. So that's 0.84 points per shot, which is way under. That's about like 0.3 points under what you... No, that's not right. 0.2 points under what you want to be getting. Um, And they didn't even shoot up to league average, so that's way too many from there. 2 for 14 from mid-range, a lot of those are just like terrible Westbrook pull-ups, those kinds of shots that you really, really don't want to see. Um, 7 for 25 from above the big threes, they just don't have shooters. And then 0 for 2 from uh, left corner 3, 0 for 1 from right corner 3. Just a really, really ugly shot chart for the Wizards. Um, I guess the first thing I have to talk about is just... I guess the Hawks. Uh, so the Hawks came into this game with an incredible game plan against Bradley Beal. Obviously, like I think that Bradley Beal is an all-star starter. Uh, I kind of wrote about it in an article. Um, he has been unbelievable this season. And something he's so great at is moving out the ball. So what a lot of teams have been doing against him is trying to top lock him. And um, that's just basically when you stay like top side on someone no matter what. And the one thing that top-locking is susceptible to is just backdoor cuts. And since Beal is such, like, an unbelievably good cutter, uh, he's been killing teams when they're trying to top-lock him. Like I said a lot of times on this podcast, like, you can't top Bradley Beal unless you have really, really strong help. And, like, the Hawks, obviously, they came in with a great game plan to stop Bradley Beal. They had great help um, every time Beal tried to cut backdoor, um... Like you kind of saw saw it last game with the Pelicans. They almost did a good job, but they weren't quite as good. Um, this game Capella was just there every single time. Beal tried to cut back door. And part of that is cause Beal on the court at the same time as Lopez, like Lopez was not being guarded a lot of the time. Uh, Clint Capella just completely sagging off of him, just trying to take away Beal's backdoor cuts, and that was honestly the right move. Like Lopez can't score outside of like five feet from the rim, so why would you guard him from five feet outside the rim? That was really um, smart from the Hawks. Uh, the way that uh, Scott Brooks started to counter this was just get Beal involved in. More ball screens, a lot of pistol action um, just to try to get um, – try to force Clint Capella to come to level of screen because Bradley Beal is a really good shooter off the dribble. Like, he can shoot off the dribble from three really well. Um, and then to guard guys like that, you really have to have your big come to level of screen or, you know, ice the ball screen or <laughs> come to level of screen, do something creative, right? And then I'll talk about that from the Wizards' perspective. But, um, yeah, so the Hawks, what they would do is have Clint Capella come to level of screen and, like, sometimes just switch uh, straight up. Sometimes just have – a uh, trailing player recover. Um and that that didn't work out for them. Like Clint Capella, he moves his feet pretty well for a big, um, but he's he can't stay in front of Bradley Beal. That was a great matchup for the Wizards. Eventually, the, um, what the Hawks started doing was like if when Beal blew by Capella on the perimeter, they would have like three guys come help because they know the Wizards don't have shooters. Um, in this game, their shooting percentage from three ended up being twenty five percent. Uh, which is the eighth percentile, and just like going up and down the roster, like Rui Lopez, Jerome Robinson, um, like Bretons was zero for six on the game, like Bongo, Len, Wagner, uh, Neto, Winston, Matthews. Like none of these guys are shooters except for like maybe two, um, and one of them was zero for six. So just the game plan of collapsing on Beal, forcing him to kick or forcing him to take a really tough shot. That's that's kind of like. That's kind of like what the blueprint would be if I was coaching as it was, right? Like, that's that's a logical thing to do. And Beal really struggled tonight. Tonight was probably one of his worst games, um, which, again, the, the Hawks had a great game plan for him, like nothing against Beal. But he struggled tonight um, trying to, you know, go against that Atlanta defense. Uh, Cam Reddish did a pretty, like, kind of decent job on him, um, just being able to top lock him because Cam Reddish is pretty athletic. He has really good length. And Clint Capella did a really good job of just staying home in the paint and disrupting Beal on his, every single drive. Um, one positive I got to talk about, I guess is Russell Westbrook. Um, that was by far Russell Westbrook's best game of the season. Um, I want to pull up his, uh, shot chart real quick. Um, Westbrook. Um, so he, um, he was two for two from restricted area, two for six from floater range, three for five from three. Like he's not going to ever shoot (laughs) like 60% from three. He's like at 25%. Um, but for him to make those shots, that's great. he shot one for five from mid range. Okay. When I look at the shot chart, it, it doesn't, it it doesn't look as good as I thought it would. Um, but he got to the line eight times, which is super encouraging. His free throw rate is down like a lot <laughs> since the last season. And um, I guess like it's not so something that I've been doing uh, when trying to look at Westbrook stats is it's not really fair to compare them to last season just because Houston ran such a unique system built around Russell Westbrook where they like had no one in the paint ever. Um, so I actually I compare it to two years ago when they uh, did have Steven Adams um, still. Uh, just to like kind of, because Steven Adams doesn't step away from the rim, kind of like the same way Robin Lopez is. So that was more of a traditional scheme, just like the Wizards have. So um, Russell Westbrook was really attacking the rim. He got to the line uh, eight times, which is, I would assume, his season high. Um, he looked way more aggressive, just attacking downhill. And that's really what you want to see out of him. That's what I've been begging for Russ Westbrook to do. Because uh, that that's his brand. That's his style, attacking downhill. Like, I don't want to see any of this garbage pull-up mid-range bank shots. Like, he can't, he is not a good mid-range shooter. I want to pull up um, his stats on cleaning the gas real quick, just to put into perspective um, why he shouldn't ever be shooting from, you know, outside the paint. And like he's athletic enough to get to the rim and get to the paint. Like he was being guarded by like Kevin Herter, like Rajon Rondo. Like those dudes, like also Trey Young sometimes, like those dudes cannot stay in front of him at all. Um, just looking at his stats, he's finishing at the rim at 63%. And like last season, that was at 61%. Um, he just hasn't been getting there nearly as much um short mid he's at 19% long mid he's at 36% these are all like quite frankly bad um and then from 3 he's at 31% which is the 15th percentile mid range he's 16th percentile and at the rim he's a 79th percentile um so hopefully that kind of puts into perspective like where he should be shooting from uh, i want to look at his foul drawing stats oh man. his free throw percentage this season is at 61.7% that's really bad um but in terms of drawing fouls his foul rate is down 2% from last year and that's like, getting to the line is, even if you're at 61%, that's 1.22, 1.23 points per possession. Um, whereas if he's, like, shooting a mid-range shot, that's 0.6 points per possession. So that, like, even though he's a bad free-throw shooter, he's literally in the zero-width percentile for his position. Um, like, that's still far more efficient than him shooting a mid-range jump shot, or even him shooting a three. Um, if he's at 31%, then that would be, like, 0.93 points per possession. And him shooting at the free-throw line is, like, point or point. 2 3. Uh, so, d- again, getting to the line, that's way more efficient than anything else that he can do. And that's really just what he needs to work on and needs to keep doing. That was really exciting to act- actually see him attack the basket. And that's something I haven't seen at all from him this year. Um, I guess I'll talk about the Wizards defense. Or I guess, no, I'll talk more about the Wizards offense because the Wizards offense was like 99 offensive rating. It's not going to win you any games almost ever. Uh, so, that's just like, uh, that was really hard to watch. Um, just like, so when Brooks was watching the game, Um, Bradley Beal was being top-locked. Clint Capella was in the paint helping. Um, you gotta, you gotta run some creative stuff. Like, you gotta really, really (laughs) reach deep down into your soul, Scott Brooks, and, like, pull something out that's really creative. Um, something that I thought about that the Wizards should run is, um, so what the Miami Heat do with a big that can't really shoot and, uh, Bam Adebayo, um, to neutralize the defense just, like, playing drop coverage and just, like, dropping someone, just having someone play free safety is they have just like Duncan Robinson, come off tons of dribble handoffs. And the Wizards like kind of did, did this last year. I'm pretty sure Bradley Beal led the league in dribble handoffs by like hundreds of dribble handoffs. And then Duncan Robinson was second. So it's not like Scott Brooks hasn't done this before. But when you when you have someone that can shoot that comes off a dribble handoff, it really kind of forces um, the big not to just drop in the middle of the paint and like come up to the level of the screen. And that's where Bradley Beal can really work. Um, you know, just getting around Capella, turning the corner and then Getting downhill to the rim. Um, the problem with that is that they would also have like Rui on the floor, and Rui is not a threat to shoot. So they just have another guy in help. They'd also have Westbrook on the floor. Like they were playing way off Westbrook. He's not a threat to shoot. Like he went three for five, but like he was open plenty of times and didn't shoot. Uh, he's not a shooter at all. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they had. You know, next like they drew Robinson. Team start have ever since that game against. I don't remember who, well, it was against the Spurs, and then I figured out that Jerome Robinson is, like, a 32% open three-point shooter. Like, teams just leave him wide open, and he's kind of, like, lost all his confidence. He had looks at the basket where he, like, didn't even shoot, but Jerome Robinson does this thing where he he shoots tons of pull-up mid-range jump shots, and none of them are good shots. Um, Jerome Robinson, actually, like, he can dribble the ball. He can kind of create a shot, but just pull-up mid-range twos from Jerome Robinson's not what you want to see, ever. I don't understand the theory behind him starting, and... I don't understand the theory behind him guarding Trey Young or closing the game. None of that made sense to me. Um, I don't know why Scott Brooks likes Jerome Robinson so much. Uh, the team obviously doesn't like him because they didn't pick up his fourth-year team option. I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over again every single time he plays because the team doesn't believe in him. Uh, so I don't know why he's playing in these games when you're trying to win. Um, but again, back to Beal. Um, I actually did start doing some creative things uh, right out of the uh, halftime break. We were in like, kind of like a side stack. Uh, where it was kind of like a stack um, or spain pick-and-roll, however you want to call it, but they kind of did it from, like, the side. Like, a, kind of like a side ball screen instead of, like, a high ball screen, how it's usually run. And that actually got a pretty, pretty decent look. Um, I thought, uh, I just want to look at my notes to see if I wrote down any other interesting plays. Because the Wizards didn't really run that much. Like, they ran, I guess they ran some pistol action. Like, I, I would love to see more of that, though. Um, but just run, like, I don't know, like, run more pick-and-rolls. Like, you got to do something to get Beal... Uh, more looks, more open looks. Like maybe like have him bring the ball up. Uh, you can't top block someone if they have the ball in their hands. You know, just do something. Like get creative. Uh, maybe run beal off some floppy action or something. Like I haven't seen any of this kind of creative stuff from Brooks that I haven't seen in years past. Um, something actually I'll talk about a positive about Brooks. Um, in terms of Bertons at the beginning of the game, he was doing Bertons pretty well. Berton's is setting like a bunch of back screens, a bunch of down screens, and then just popping out to the three-point line and being open. Um, those were all really, really positive things, but Bertans just didn't have his legs. Like he didn't have his legs before. And then having another two week break or two week break kind of just like kind of broke him. Like he he hasn't been able to shoot at all. Uh, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt so far, just because like everything that's been going on, but Bertans didn't look good at all. Um, I got to think about what else I want to talk about. I guess I got to talk about, uh, the Wizards defensive scheme. Um, if you're the coach of a team, um, defense is something that you can kind of affect more. I would say than offense, just like schematic wise, and having the team execute your scheme, um, you have to set your players up to succeed. And Scott Brooks didn't do that at all in terms of defense for the Wizards. Um, the scheme that they were kind of running to try to neutralize Trey Young was switching. <laughs> so they, they pretty much every single screen that Robin Lopez wasn't involved in, they would switch. And then any ball screen with Robin Lopez, that would have Lopez drop and I I don't understand the theory behind that one. So um, Trey Young is kind of a killer of drop coverage just because he's so good at shooting off the dribble from three, and then his, his floater is, like, unbelievable. He has the best floater in the league. Um, so it's really hard to play a drop against um, Trey Young, but you can't play anything but a drop with Robin Lopez just because he's not very mobile. Like, Robin Lopez, like, he's a good rim protector. He fits in a drop coverage scheme really well. Like, that's why he looked good on the Bucks last year, but... Um, against guys like Trey Young, that's where he really struggles. And like you could see it tonight, uh, the Wizards couldn't contain Trey Young at all. I don't understand switching, like switching against Trey Young. It's like so many times, it was like Rui Hachimura or Davis Breton's. Like those kinds of guys cannot guard Trey Young at all. Um, I kind of liked when they went to Isak Bonga on Trey Young uh, just to get someone with some length against like trying to guard him. But at a certain point, like, I don't know, you have to try a different type of scheme. Like eventually, like, Here's what I probably would have done is like just gone small and had Rui play the five and just like either hard hedged or blitzed or uh, ice the screen. Like you can ice a screen without switching. If they just didn't switch any of these ball screens and just like straight up iced it, they probably could have done a better job. Uh, I guess icing it's kind of hard because that still leaves the floater open. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You got to get creative in some sort of way. You're an NBA coach. Like there's no way that a team should just kill you with ball screens that badly every single play. Um, you got to do something to try to neutralize it. Like, be creative. If you're down 20 points in the first half, you that's <laughs> you you have nothing to lose. Like, do some, you got to have run high variance strategies, high risk um, strategies to get back in a game if you're losing by that many points? You can't just keep doing your same drop coverage that hasn't been working the whole game. I, it's just frustrating to watch. Like, you if you lose by 40 points, it's worth as much in the loss column as losing by 20 points. But the strategy that would get you to be losing by 40 points could get you to win by one point if that makes sense. Um, just running like more high variance strategies, high risk strategies is what you really got to do if you're down by that many points. So you got to do things like blitz ball screens, ice ball screens, deal trap, um, you know, hard hedge, all that kind of stuff, or li- at least like put someone in the game that can come to the level of the screen and like do anything against Trey Young. Like Trey Young should not be able to kill you that badly because he's just seeing the same drop coverage over and over and over again, where like the, the guy that's guarding him isn't even someone that can get around the screen and like chase him at all. Like, it's like literally Davis Bertans, like at a... St- at the end of the game, like, Jerome Robinson was on Trae Young, and Trae Young just absolutely killed him no matter what. Um, Isak Bonga got on him, and Trae Young rejected a couple of screens. Like, if you're guarding Trey Young, it's really I can understand why it's hard because your job is to go over the screen, but then if Trey Young just straight up rejects it, then, like, I understand why that would be hard. Um, but if someone rejects a screen that just completely kills your entire ball screen coverage, and Trae Young did that, like, three times down the stretch and just, like, straight up ended the game... Um, so that was pretty hard to watch from, you know, any perspective. Uh, I got to think about, let me check my notes to see uh, what else I wanted to talk about for this. I guess I want to credit a couple of things that the Hawks ran. Um, their double ball screen uh, at the top of the key, they ran a bunch of different variations of that where like Trey Young would only use the first screen or he'd use both screens or he'd reject both screens. And then like they'd switch up like who was rolling and who was popping, uh, that kind of thing. Or they'd like do like the double pick and roll, and then the guy who set the first screen would set a back screen for the guy who set the second screen. Uh, So kind of like a Spain stack action, sort of, but like kind of inverted, inverted stack. I think that's a thing, inverted stack, inverted Spain. Oh, (laughs) anyway, um, all those plays were really interesting. They really confused the Wizards. Um, At one point, uh, Scott Brooks tried to do the same that the Celtics do a lot um, against double ball screens where they have the guy who is defending the first screener um, just pop out in hard hedge. And they did that twice and like it didn't work at all. Um, but again, I like the effort from Brooks. I like the creativity. Um, and then in the the one really, really cool play that I saw was they ran like um, it was like out of, it was like a side pick and roll for Rondo, except on the other side of the court, they were doing like a hammer action for um, Danilo Gallinari. And Rondo threw like this beautiful cross court pass from one corner to the other corner, right to Gallinari, right in a shooting pocket. And Gallinari didn't make the shot, but that was a really, really cool play to see. And I think that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, so the Wizards, I guess, I'll talk about this for like one minute. Um, the Wizards right now are 3-12. and 12. Uh, They've looked really bad the past few games. Uh, next game, they're going to be getting back a few guys. Um, so hopefully they'll look better. Um, but they at some point, you got, <laughs> like in the back of your mind, it's always there. Um, the Bradley Beal trade scenarios. At what point do you say, um, we're not going to win with this team. We got to get a haul for Bradley Beal, get as much as possible, you know, call up the Warriors, try to get James Wiseman, call up the Knicks, try to get RJ Barrett, uh, try to get that Timberwolves pick, try to get a Knicks first round pick, something like that. Um, I think now is the time to start thinking about it. I don't know if I'd pull the trigger yet, but it's definitely like, you don't want to, you want to get ahead of the curve. you rather trade someone before they request a trade in terms of a value perspective and the Wizards should really start thinking about it um, before Beal's trade value starts to go down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. Uh, next game is Sunday against the Nets, um, so you know watch that one. It's going to be nationally televised uh, on NBA TV at seven o'clock Eastern Time. So turn tune into that. Uh, we'll see. Like the Wizards can't even handle a Trey Young pick and roll, spread pick and roll. So I don't know how they're going to handle James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But we'll see. We'll see if Brooks comes up with something super creative. Uh, hasn't really <laughs> ever done that before, but again, you, n- you never know. Um, so yeah, please tune into that game, and then I'll have a podcast coming out the night over the day after that. If you have an
1: existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.